It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Cairo Radio and Seattle Radio Theater present a live broadcast of A Christmas Carol. Good evening, this is Lisa Brooks. There are clearly a number of ways in which A Christmas Carol could be introduced. Myself, I am most struck by the happy fortune on this special night to present Dave Ross, the best-loved broadcaster of our time, in the world's best-loved Christmas story, A Christmas Carol. When Charles Dickens presented this little story to the world 178 years ago, he found instant response in the hearts of people everywhere, and that response continues to this day. And so it is, with Dave Ross playing the part of Ebenezer Scrooge, there is, I think, in all of Puget Sound, nothing more eagerly awaited, more firmly rooted in the hearts of the radio family that numbers millions, well, let's say thousands, in this special performance of A Christmas Carol. Our cast tonight features Chris Sullivan, Colleen O'Brien, Ursula Roitine, Aaron Granillo, Nicole Jennings, Charlie Harger, Nick Allard, Tracy Taylor, and Lauren Donovan. Live sound effects are designed and performed by Curtis Takahashi. Music was created by Joel Baker. A Christmas Carol, as Charles Dickens wrote it, has by common consent long been a classic. And Dave Ross is a classic, too. It has become a Christmas custom to gather around the radio, to hear, and to enjoy holiday plays here on Cairo Radio And since it is a couple of weeks before Christmas, we hope, too, that the younger members of the family are permitted to stay up and listen before dreams of visits from Santa. We get a great deal of pleasure planning and preparing this Christmas gift. And now it's ready. So off come the wrappings, off come the tags that say, please do not open until December 14th. And here is the gift itself. Marley was dead. To begin with, there's no doubt whatever about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it, and Scrooge's name was good for anything he chose to put his hand to. Old Marley was dead as a doornail. Scrooge knew he was dead? Of course he did. Scrooge and Marley were partners for I don't know how many years. Ah, But he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, was Scrooge. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scrapping, clutching, covetous old sinner. And once upon a time, of all the good days in the year, on Christmas Eve, old Scrooge sat busy in his counting house, a grim, cheerless place if ever there was one. The door of Scrooge's counting house was open that he might keep his eye upon his clerk, Bob Cratchit, who, in a cold and dismal little cell beyond, Worked at his ledgers. 19, 20, 21, 22. Comfort and joy, low, quiet. 
tidings of... Oh, 23, 24, 29, carry the six, carry... Oh, Christmas Day, 17, 13, 17... Bob Cratchit! Oh, yes, Mr. Scrooge! Stop that infernal cattle walling, please. Yes, sir. 9, 15, 17... (sighs) Singing that idiotic Christmas carols at my very door. Go on. Go on, get away from my door. Hmm? Off with you. Go somewhere else. Bellow your blasted cattles, you little criminals. Why, Governor? It's an old custom at Christmas time, you know. Yes, and I don't want any of your old customs. Take your fellow fools and go away. Christmas. Right, sir. Merry Christmas anyway, sir. Now, you get that letter from Higgins and Blackthorn, Cratchit, and then I want you to finish posting this ledger, and after that you can pop over to Parthagill's and tell Ephraim Parthagill... You've come after the 17 shillings and sixpence he's owed me since Michaelmas, and tell him I shall have a constable over there if he doesn't pay up at once. Miss Parthgill's wife has been ill, sir. What do I care about his wife? I want my 17 and six. I, I, I just thought it being Christmas, sir, and with inflation and Christmas, all. Christmas! Christmas! You've mentioned that word to me once more, Bob Cratchit, and I swear Merry I shall... Christmas! Merry Christmas, Uncle! Merry Christmas, Bob! Merry Christmas, Mr. Fred! God's sake! Oh. Bah, humbug. Christmas a humbug, Uncle. Now I'm sure you don't mean that. I mean just that, exactly that. Merry Christmas. What, what right have you to be merry? What reason have you? You're poor enough. Well, what right do you have me dis- about dismal Christmas, Uncle? You're rich enough. Ah, yes. I suppose I am a one percenter. What's your point? Now, Uncle, don't be cross. Well, what else can I be when I live in such a world of fools? What's Christmas to you but a time for, for paying bills without money? Merry Christmas. A time for finding yourself a year older than not an hour richer. If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips would be boiled in his own pudding and, and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. Stop the steal, I say. Uncle! Now, nephew, keep Christmas in your own way and let me keep it in mine. Keep it? But you don't keep it, Uncle. Well, let me leave it alone, then. What do you want? A Christmas gift, I've no doubt. I came to wish you a Merry Christmas, Uncle. A Merry Christmas. Much good may Christmas do you. (laughs) Much good it has ever done you. There are many things from which I derive good by which I have not profited materially, I say, Uncle. Christmas among the rest. But I have always thought of Christmas time as a good time. A kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. A a time to build back better. And so, Uncle, though it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket... Or given me a child care tax credit. I believe it has done me good and will do me good, and I say God bless it. God bless Christmas. Hurrah! Let me hear another sound out of you there, Bob Cratchit, and you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation. And as to you, nephew, I wonder you don't go into Parliament or City Council. You talk enough nonsense. Oh, don't be angry, Uncle. I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Why can't we reach across the aisle and be jolly good chums, eh? Good afternoon. I'm sorry you feel that way. Well, I tried. A Merry Christmas to you, Uncle. Good afternoon. And a Happy New Year, too. Bah! Humbug! And a Happy Hanukkah. Bah! Humbug! Hanukkah is over. And do have a great Kwanzaa. Nice try. Uh, Merry Christmas to you, Bob, and to the missus, and to Tiny Tim. Oh, thank you, Mr. Fred. Same to you, sir. Good day, sir. Good day, Bob. Nonsense. Twaddle flummery. Alternative facts. Talking of Christmas and not two sixpence to jingle together in his trouser pocket. Uh, hey, you there. Bob Cratchit. Come here. What you doing over there? 
I'm only putting a little bit more coal on the fire, Mr. Scrooge, seeing it's so cold in here, sir. Cratchit? Oh, it's clean coal, I believe, sir. I don't care if it's entirely carbon neutral. You put it back into the scuttle, hmm? The fire. Fire, indeed. I can tell you, you use coal at that rate. You and I will be soon parting company, Bob Cratchit. You understand that? There's many a young fellow would like your situation, you know. I'm sorry, sir. My fingers were getting a little stiff with the cold. Then put on your mittens, man. <sighs> Someone at the door. Go see who it is, please. Yes, sir. Mm. Oh, good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. This is the firm of Scrooge and Marley? Yes, sir. I should like to see the head of the firm, if I may. Oh, very good, sir. Please, come in. Oh, it is quite cold. What is it? Gentlemen, to see you, Mr. Scrooge. Uh, what is that? Uh, have I the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Uh, Mr. Marley's been dead these seven years tonight. Uh, I'm Scrooge. Well, now, Mr. Scrooge, at this season of the year, it's only fitting that we who are more fortunate should raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of warmth. You may not believe it, sir, but many thousands are now in want of common necessities. <sighs> And hundreds of thousands are in want of the simplest comforts. Uh, are there no prisons? Oh, there, there are plenty of prisons, And sir. the workhouses, they're still open in operation, I trust. I wish I could say they are not, but they are, sir. The tent cities and the tiny villages. There are more than ever. The treadmill and the poor law are in full vigor, I assume. Both very busy, ah, sir. Glad to hear that. And, I was afraid from what you said at first that something had occurred to stop them in their useful cause. No, no, sir. All these institutions that you mention, well, except for the supply chain, are flourishing. But it's nevertheless true that some additional provision for the poor and the destitute must be made. The problems seem to only get worse each year. Pshaw! A few of us, upon change, are endeavoring to raise such a fund, you see, and so then, what shall I put you down for? Nothing. Oh, I see. You wish to be anonymous, sir? No, I wish to be left alone. I don't make merry myself in Christmas time, and I can't afford to help make a lot of idle people merry. I help to support the establishments that take care of the poor. They cost enough. Let those who are badly off go there. Why, many can't go there, sir, and many would rather die. Then my advice to them is to do so and decrease the surplus population. Ah. <sighs> uh. Besides, I've only your word for it that all this is so. It is the truth, Mr. Scrooge. No, so be it then. It's not my business. It's enough for a man to understand his own business, not to interfere with other people's. Mine occupies me constantly. Good afternoon, sir. I quite understand. Mr. Scrooge, good afternoon, sir. Cratchit, show this gentleman out. Yes, sir. This way, sir, please. Now, sir, I couldn't help overhearing. I should like to contribute twopence. Twopence? Tuppence, Cratchit. I'm sorry, Tuppence. Yes, sir, Mr. Scrooge. Um, isn't it? This isn't much, but it's all I can afford. But there are others in worse situations than I. You are a very generous fellow. I wish I might say so of your employer. Cratchit! Yes, sir! Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Cratchit! Merry Christmas to you, my good man. And a Merry Christmas to you. Yes, sir! Close the door. Yes, sir. 24, 31, one carrier three, new scarlet tippet for Tiny Tim and comb for Martha. 33, three, carry the three, a hair ribbon for Linda. Four, seven, twelve. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
It's too late to have you go to Parthagills and be closed up for Christmas like these other fools. We may as well close up this place now, too. Yes, sir. It is getting a little dark. Hard to see the figures. I suppose you'll want the entire day off tomorrow. If it's quite convenient, sir. It's not convenient. It's not fair, either. But I suppose I can't do anything about it. <laughs> if I was to stop half a crown of your wages, you'd think yourself very ill-used, I'll be bound. Well, sir, yes, I... Yes, yes, but you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work. It's huh? only once a year, once sir. Once a year, once a year indeed. A fine excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December, but I suppose there's no good talking. You must have the whole day. See that you're here all the earlier the next morning, understand? Oh, I will, sir. I, I will indeed. Good night, sir, and Merry Christmas. Bah! Merry Christmas, Mr. Scrooge. Bah! The office was closed in a twinkling, and Bob Cratchit, with the long ends of his white comforter dangling below his waist, for he boasted no greatcoat, went down a slide on Cornhill 20 times in honor of it being Christmas Eve and then ran home to Camden Town as hard as he could pelt to play with his family at Blind Man's Bluff. Scrooge, on the other hand, took his melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy dive tavern. It was called the Shanty, I believe. Having read all the newspapers, yes, there was more than one back then, and having spent the rest of the evening with his banker's book, he went to his dismal house. Darkness is cheap, and Scrooge liked it. The yard was so dark that even Scrooge, who knew that every stone had to grope it with its hands through the fog and the frost to find the door, Scrooge walked through his rooms to see that all was right. Sitting room, bedroom, lumber room, all as they should be. Nobody under the table, nobody under the sofa, nobody under the bed, and nobody in the closet. Close the door. He locked himself in, he double-locked himself in, and took off his cravat, put on his dressing gown and slippers, and his nightcap, and sat down before the fire to take his gruel. <sighs> in, in the flames? Is that... is that Marley? Marley? <laughs> no. I could have sworn I sold. Humbug. Marley's been dead these seven years. Humbug. All humbug. What I need is a good a good night's... Good night's... What's... What's that? Oh. Someone's in the wine cellar. Oh, but the, the door's locked and double locks. Something is coming. Something is, is coming closer. Uh, outside my door. Bah! I, I won't believe it. it it's, it's humbug still. Ebenezer? Ebenezer Scrooge? Marley? Oh, no. What do you want with me? Oh, I want much of you, Ebenezer. Who, 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 who are you? Ask me. Ask me who I was. Oh, you're very particular for a, for a ghost, aren't you? All right, then. Who were you? <laughs> well, life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Jacob Marley? But you're dead. You died seven years ago. 
seven years ago this very night. This very night. What's wrong, Ebenezer? Don't you believe me? I do not. You doubt your senses, Ebenezer. Yes. Yes, because a little thing affects them. A slight disorder of the stomach makes them cheat. Now, you can't be a ghost. You may be an, an undigested bit of, of free-range beef or a, a, a blot of artisanal mustard or a, a, a crumb of small-batch hormone-free cheese, a fragment of an underdone organic potato. There may be more gravy than grave about you, whatever you are. <laughs> humbug, I tell you. Humbug! <laughs> <laughs> I do believe. I do believe in ghosts. You are a ghost, Jacob. You are. Why? Thank you, Ebenezer. Why? Why do you walk the earth, Jacob? Why do you come to me? It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men and travel far and wide to witness what it cannot share but might have shared on earth and turned to happiness. But uh, tell me, Jacob, what is that chain you wear around you? I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard by my own free will. Is it pattern strange to you, Ebenezer? I I see cash boxes and and, and keys and and padlocks and ledgers and, and purses and flip phones and... AOL CDs, flouted congressional subpoenas, VCRs, flashing ten o'clock. Or yours is as heavy and as long as this seven years ago. You have labored on it since. (gasps) Ebenezer? Oh, Jacob, speak comfort to me, Jacob. Comfort? I have none to give. I cannot rest. I cannot stay. I cannot linger. Weary journeys lie before me. You travel fast? Yes, Ebenezer. Even in this traffic? On the wings of the wind. (sighs) Seven years dead and traveling all the time. Seven years, Ebenezer. Seven years of remorse. Ebenezer, do you know that no space of regret can make amends for one's life opportunities misused? But you, you were always a good man of business, Jacob. Business! Mankind was my business. Charity, mercy, benevolence, they were my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. Jacob, Jacob, don't take on so now, Jacob. Listen to me, Ebenezer. I'll listen to you, Jacob. Go on, Jacob, now speak to me, but don't be so flowery. It's a little hard to follow. Ebenezer. I am here to warn you that you have a chance, yet a chance of hope, of escaping my fate. Do you hear that, Ebenezer? Yes, yes, Jacob. How could I not? You are always a a good friend to me, Jacob. Thank you, Jacob. But uh, go on, go on, go on, go on. How how shall I escape? I'm afraid, Jacob. You will be haunted by three spirits. Is that the only chance and hope, Jacob? It is your only chance and hope. Well, then I think I'd rather not. Without their visits, you cannot hope to shun the path that I tread. Expect the first visit tomorrow when the bell tolls one. Couldn't I take them all at once and have it over with, Jacob? Ebenezer, look that for your own sake. You remember what has passed between us. Remember, when the bell tolls one, look for the first spirit. 
Molly. Jacob, Molly! Scrooge awoke. He was laying in his bed fully dressed. Suddenly, the curtains of his bed were drawn aside, and Scrooge found himself face to face with the unearthly visitor who drew them as close to it as I am now to you, and I am standing in the spirit at your elbow. It was a strange figure, like a child, yet not so like a child as like an old man. Its hair, which hung about its neck and down its back, was white as if with age, and yet the face had not a wrinkle in it, and the tenderest bloom was on the skin. The arms were long and muscular, the hands a little on the small side, to be honest, but still very, very powerful, very powerful. Ebenezer Scrooge. Who? Who's that? Ebenezer Scrooge, I have come for you. You? Ah, uh, uh, are you the spirit, sir, whose coming was foretold me? I am that spirit. What are you? I am the ghost of Christmas past. Long past? No. Your past. But what do you want of me? What brings you here to haunt me? Your welfare, Ebenezer Scrooge. Rise and walk with me. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Not, not out of the window. I can't do that. I'll, I'll fall down. I'm not a spirit. I'm mortal. I'll fall. Bear but a touch of my hand upon your heart, and you shall be upheld in more than this. Come, follow me. Are we? What's become of the city and the snow upon the ground? Was that in the pinpoint forecast? Think of the choke points and the endless school closure announcements. Where are we, spirit? These are the shadows of the things that have been. You recognize the countryside? Oh, I know every inch of it, every rock, every tree. And that bleak building over there? Ah, that building. I was a boy there. I went to school in that horrible place. Do you recollect that path? I, I could walk it blindfolded. Strange you should have forgotten it so many years. Come, let us go closer. Look through that window into the cold, barren room. What do you see, Ebenezer Scrooge? I see a boy. A solitary child, neglected by his family, alone. Sent to a military school by his wealthy, yet emotionally distant father. Yes, yes, I see. I know that boy. I was so lonely. Poor boy. Your lip is trembling, Scrooge. And what is that on your cheek? Nothing. Nothing at all. I wish I... I oh, but it's too late now. What's the matter? Nothing. Nothing. The, the waifs came to my door singing Christmas carols last night, and there was a boy just like that among them, a poor, pale, thin little boy in a ragged coat. I, I should like to have given him something, that's all. Is that all? Come, Ebenezer Scrooge, let us see another Christmas. Do you know this place? Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, know it? <laughs> know it? This is the counting house when I was apprentice. Oh, there's my old master. 
This is our old Fezziwig, my master alive again. <laughs> and, and hosting one of his Christmas parties. Pick your partners! <laughs> oh, and there's Mrs. Fezziwig herself, looking younger than any of them. <laughs> dance with me, then. Dance with oh, me. Listen to them all. Corkscrew, thread the needle and back to your places. Oh, there's Dick Wilkins. Ah, oh, poor Dick. Dear, dear, dear. Oh, yes. And look, all the tables. The table's all loaded with roasts and cider and mince pie and beer and charcuterie. <laughs> what a jolly time we used to have. <laughs> Though, that's not exactly what I'd call social distancing. <laughs> That carefree young man with a light heart and gay smile, do you recognize him? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Merciful heaven, how happy I was then. <laughs> a small matter for old Fezziwig to make those silly folks so full of joy. Small matter, small indeed. Isn't it? He has spent only a few pounds of mortal money. Is that so much that he deserves praise? It's not that, not that spirit. Old Fezziwig has the power to make us happy or unhappy, to make our service light or heavy. His power lies in words and looks and in things so tiny that it's impossible to count them up. The happiness he gives is quite as great as if it cost him. What's cost the matter, him. Ebenezer? Oh, nothing. Nothing at all, Spirit. Something, I think. No, no, no. Speak. Well, only it's... It's just I should like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk, Bob Cratchit. That's all. My time grows short, and we have yet another journey to make. Where now, Spirit? Come. This is our last visit to the past, Ebenezer, here, in this little room, with a fair young girl by your side. Do you recognize yourself, Ebenezer? No. No. No, no, no. Spare me this. You're older now, a man in the prime of life. Your face has begun to wear signs of care and avarice. Your hairstyle defies description and gravity. Your eyes are greedy, the eager, restless eyes of a miser. No, no, please. She knows it, too, that girl by your side. There are tears in her eyes. Listen, Ebenezer. It, it matters little to you, very little. I know that. Belle, have I changed toward you? When we were engaged, we were both poor. Was it better, then? Better to be poor? Better, at least, to be happy. You're changed. You were another man, then. I was a boy. You blame me because I've grown wiser? Have I ever tried to break our engagement? In words? No, in, never. In what, then? In a changed nature, in an altered spirit, in everything that made my love of any value in your sight. So, I release you from your promise. Belle! Oh, at first it, it may cause you pain to lose me, a very brief pain. But soon it will dim, like a half-remembered dream. An unprofitable dream. And you, you will be glad to be awake from such a dream. May you be happy in the life that you have chosen, Ebenezer. 
for the love of whom you once loved. That's enough. That's enough. Show me no more. Take me home. These were the shadows of things that have been. They are what they are. Do not blame me. No, 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 no more. No yes. more. Ebenezer, one shadow more. Come, Scrooge. Do you see this man, Ebenezer Scrooge? This man might have been you, and the woman beside him, your wife, and that girl. That girl might have been your daughter, Ebenezer Scrooge. She might have called you father. She might have been a springtime in the haggard winter of your life. Spirit, let me go. Let me go. Show me no more. Listen now, while they speak, Ebenezer. Oh, Belle, I saw an old friend of yours today. Who was it? Yes. How can I? Oh, I know. Of course. Mr. Scrooge? Mr. Scrooge it was. I passed his office window. It wasn't shuttered, and there was a candle inside, so I couldn't help seeing him. His partner, Marley, lies at the points of death, I hear. And there Scrooge sat, all alone, quite alone in the world, I do believe. <sighs> poor, poor Ebenezer. Spirit, Spirit, I can't bear any more. Leave me now. Haunt me no more. Take me back. Take me back. Take me back. <laughs> You are listening to Cairo Radio in Seattle. This is our special Seattle Radio Theater live presentation of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, starring Dave Ross as Ebenezer Scrooge and Chris Sullivan as Bob Cratchit. This program is coming to you live from the facilities of Bonneville, Seattle, on the shores of historic Lake Union. On the stroke of one, Scrooge awakened suddenly and sat bolt upright in his own bed. He remembered the words of Marley's ghost and wondered from which direction the second specter would appear. At that moment, nothing between a baby and a rhinoceros would have astonished him very much. Now, being prepared for almost anything, he was not by any means prepared for nothing and consequently, when no shape appeared, he was taken with a violent fit of trembling. Five minutes, ten minutes, a quarter of an hour went by, yet nothing came. Then, as he sat in his bed, he became aware, gradually, of a great blaze of ruddy light, which seemed to shine upon him from the adjourning room. He got up softly and shuffled in his slippers to the door. It was his own sitting room, no doubt about that but it had undergone a surprising transformation. The walls and ceiling were so hung with living green that it looked a perfect grove, from every part of which bright, gleaming berries glistened, and such a mighty blaze went roaring up the chimney as had never been known in Scrooge's time or for many and many a winter season gone. 
heaped up on the floor to form a kind of throne where turkeys, geese, game, poultry, great joints of meat, suckling pigs, long wreaths of sausages, mince pies, plum puddings, barrels of oysters, applets and cutlets, almond roca, and seething bowls of punch that made the chamber dim with their delicious steam. In easy state upon this couch there sat a jolly giant, glorious to see, who bore a glowing torch in the shape not unlike Plenty's horn, and held it up, high up, to shed its light on Scrooge, as he came peeping round the corner. I want you to come on in, come on in, Ebenezer Scrooge, and know me better, man. Who, who, uh, who? Well, I am the ghost of Christmas present. Look upon me, you have never seen the like of me before. You, you are different from the other spirit. Uh, you're tall, almost a giant, yet your hands. Oh, and that, that great torch that you carry. What? Well, its light does pour into the homes of rich and poor and states of red and blue alike. Spirit, take me where you will. Last time I went against my will and learnt a lesson which is working. Now, I think, if you have anything to teach me, let me profit by it. Touch my robe, Ebenezer Scrooge, you're a rich man. Ghosts, let you touch their robes. <laughs> <laughs> Where have you brought me, spirit? Well, it sure is a humble dwelling in a humble street in a humble district. Yes, I'm getting a distinct humble vibe. Yet, there is happiness here. Who are these people? Who's, the, who's that woman? And the children? Well, these are the family of your clerk, Bob Cratchit. His wife, dressed in a twice-turned gown, but brave in ribbons, laying the table for their Christmas dinner, and there, assisting her, is her daughter, Belinda, and the young man with the fork in that stuffing, that's Master Peter Cratchit, and the two little Cratchits, listen, Scrooge. Here's mother, Martha. Oh, Martha! Why, bless your heart alive, Martha, my dear. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, Mother. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! <laughs> How late you are, my dear. Oh, we did a deal of work to finish up last night, and we had to clear away this morning. Well, never mind, so long as you're here now. Sit ye down before the fire and have a warm. Lord bless ye. Where's Father? He's been to church with Tiny Tim. They'll be along to light directly. How is Tiny Tim, Mother? Any better at all? Sometimes I think he is, and sometimes I think... Oh, dear God! If anything should happen to Tiny Tim... Mother, you mustn't even think such a thing. Oh, here they are. Oh, there's Tiny Tim. Merry Christmas, everybody. Martha, Martha, welcome home, my dear. Merry Christmas, Father and Tim. Oh, Tim. Merry, Merry Christmas, Martha. Oh, Tim, you darling. Oh, Father, I'm so glad to be home. And we're so glad to have you, Martha. And how did little Tim behave in church, Bob? Oh, as good as gold and better. I like church, Mother. Oh, they sang the nicest songs. I I hope all the people saw me there. Saw you there? And why is that, Tim? Well, don't you see? Because I'm lame. And if they saw my crutch, well, 
It might be pleasant for them to remember on Christmas who it was that made lame beggars walk and blind men see. Oh, bless you, my son. Are we ready to eat, Mother? Yes, children, we're all ready. Come, come, take your places now. And, Bob, you wait your turn. There's plenty. Stuffing and dressing and plum pudding for all of you. Martha, you take care of Tiny Tim. Yes, Mother. You see that he eats plenty. He must get tall and well. Now, sit down. Sit down, everyone. Oh, now, my dears... Shall we say grace? Bless, O Lord, this food we are about to eat, and we pray you, O God, that it may be good for our body and soul. And if there be any poor creature hungry or thirsty walking along the road, send them Spirit. in to us, that we can Spirit, share the food with me. them, just as you share. Tell me if Tiny Tim will live. I see a vacant seat in the poor chimney corner and a crush without an owner, carefully preserved. Oh, no. No, no, kind spirit. Say he'll be spared. Say he'll live. But if these shadows remain unaltered by the future, Ebenezer, the child will die. Amen. Amen. And now, my dears, with such a dinner, a toast. <clears throat> a Merry Christmas to us all, and God bless us. Amen. Amen. God bless us. God bless us. Everyone. And now, to Mr. Scrooge. Now, 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 children, please. Shush, children, please. I give you a toast to Mr. Scrooge, the founder of this feast. The founder of the feast, indeed, who pays you all of 15 shillings a week. I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast on, and I hope he would have a good appetite for Oh, my it. dear! The children! It's Christmas Day! Well, it should be Christmas Day, I'm sure, on which one drinks the health of such an odious, stingy, unfeeling man as Mr. Scrooge. You know he is, Bob. Nobody knows it better than you, poor fellow. My dear! My dear... It's Christmas Day. Well, drink his health for your sake in the days, not for his. Long life to him. A merry Christmas and a happy new year. He'll be very merry and very happy, I have no doubt. And I say, God bless him too, Mother. And everyone. There was nothing of high mark in all of this. They were not a handsome family, these Cratchits, and everybody knew it. They were not well-dressed. Their shoes were far from being waterproof. Their clothes were scanty and had known, very likely, the insides of a pawnbroker's. Sad. But they were happy, grateful, pleased with one another, and contented with the time. When, at last, they faded, Scrooge had his eye upon them, and especially on Tiny Tim until the last. Many visits Scrooge made that night with the gross of Christmas present. Down among the miners they went to labor in the bowels of the earth to dig a tunnel to Northgate and out to sea among the sailors at their watch. 
dark, ghostly figures in their several stations. Much they saw and far they went and many places they visited, but always with a happy end. The spirits stood beside sick beds, and they were cheerful on foreign lands, and they were close at home. By poverty, and it was rich, in almshouse, hospital, and jail, where vain man in his little brief authority had not made fast the door and barred the spirit out, the spirit left his blessing. It was a long night, if it was only a night, and it was strange, too, that while Scrooge remained unaltered in his outward form, the ghost grew older, clearly older. My life upon this globe is very brief, Ebenezer. It ends tonight. Tonight? Tonight at midnight. Hark! The hour has come. Oh, oh no. No. No, not yet. Not yet. There are still more things I, I wish to learn, spirit. These you will learn from still another spirit. Still another spirit. Ebenezer. Another spirit. Another spirit. Yes. Scrooge looked about him for the ghost. It had vanished, and he found himself once more in his bed, in his dressing gown, and with his nightcap on his head. He heard the clock strike. And then he remembered the prediction of old Jacob Marley. And lifting up his eyes, he beheld the third spirit, a solemn phantom shrouded in black, draped and hooded, coming towards him slowly and silently like a mist along the ground. I know you. You are the ghost of Christmas yet to come. You will show me the shadows of things that have not happened but will happen in the time before us. Answer me, spirit, ghost of the future. I fear you more than any specter I've seen yet. I know your purpose is to do me good, and as I hope to live to be another man from what I was. Lead on, lead on. The night's waning fast. Time is precious. Spirit, spirit, why have you brought me here again, here to Bob Cratchit's home? But it's not the same. What? What? <laughs> Why? Why is it so quiet? So, so very quiet here. Mother, mother, please. Oh, my son. My little son, Tiny Tim. I loved him so. Oh, mother, dear, you mustn't. It's almost time for father to be home. Don't let him see yes. you crying. Yes, Martha. He's late tonight. He, he, he walks slower than he used to, and yet... I've known him to walk very fast indeed with Tiny Tim on his shoulder. So have I, Mother. But he was light to carry, and his father loved him so. There was no trouble, no trouble. Bob! Good evening, my dear. You're, you're late, Bob? Yes. I'm sorry, my dear. I, I went to the churchyard today. I wish you had gone with me. It would have been done your heart good to see how sweet and green a place it is, but you'll see it often. I promised him. 
Yes, I promised Tiny Tim we'd walk there on a Sunday. Father, dear, it's God's will, Bob. I'm trying to understand it, my dear. My son, my little son, Tiny Tim, I loved him so. That is cruel. That is cruel. Spirit, can't you give me one ray of hope that I may change all that? That Tiny Tim may live. Where are you taking me now? Here? On a common street, Spirit? What is there, what is there for me to learn here? Who, who are those men? <laughs> I don't know much about it either way. I only know he's dead, dead, eh? <laughs> As a doornail. <laughs> when, when, when did he die? <laughs> Last night, I believe. <laughs> uh, it's likely to be a very cheap funeral for upon my life. I, I don't know anybody to go to it. Suppose we make up a party and volunteer. <laughs> I don't mind going <laughs> if lunch is provided. <laughs> Come to think of it, I'll bet I was his best friend. What? Well, we used to nod to each other when we met in the street. Spirit, Spirit, help me. Who is this man that died? Is there no one to mourn the poor creature? No one to follow him to the grave, perhaps? Perhaps they'll give him a green grave, at least, like like poor Tony Tim. Perhaps. <laughs> Spirit, where are we now? Merciful heaven. A churchyard overrun by grass and weeds, choked with too much burying. Desolate. Lonely. Crumbling gravestones. Spirit, before I draw nearer to that gravestone, answer me one question. Are these shadows of things that will be, or are they shadows of things that may be only? Hmm? Will you not speak to me, spirit? What is that grave to which you point? Oh, now I see it. There's writing on that stone. I think I can make out the letters. E. B. E. <laughs> the name on the gravestone is Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge! No! No, Spirit! No, no, no! Hear me! I am not the man I was! Why show me this if I am past all hope? Tell me... Th that I can change these dreadful shadows you've shown me by an altered life. I, I will honor Christmas in my heart. I, I'll try to keep it all the year. I, I live in the past, I live in the present, I live in the future, and I'll not shut out the lessons that they teach. Tell me, Spirit. Go on, tell me. Tell me that I can sponge away the writing on that stone. Spirit, I beg you. Gentlemen, let nothing you display. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. Spirit, Spirit I promise. I promise. I promise. What's this? This is my own drape. I'm home. <laughs> 
in my own bed, my own room, and and look at that, the sun, the sun is shining, it's clear, it's bright, no fog, no convergence zone, what a beautiful day, oh, glorious, glorious, hey, hey boy, boy, Yes, sir. What is today? What's that, sir? Uh, what day is it, my fine fellow? Today? Why, it's Christmas Day. <laughs> Christmas Day! But I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night. All in one night, heavenly praised. How's that, sir? Listen, my lad. You know where the poulterer is? In the next street? I should say I do. Oh, what an intelligent boy. What a remarkable boy. Tell me. Do you know if they sold the prize turkey that was hanging in the window? What? The one as big as me? <laughs> yes. Oh, you're a, what a delightful boy. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Yes, exactly that one, my buck. It's hanging there now, sir. Oh, that's wonderful. Go down, will you, and tell him to send it to Bob Cratchit and his family on Broad Street. And remind you, mind you, mind you, that not to know that old Scrooge paid for it. Hmm? You go along. Hurry, hurry, my lad. Here, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Here's half a crown for your trouble, hmm? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, and Merry Christmas, Ah, uh, <laughs> and a Merry Christmas to you, my boy. Oh, I don't know what to do. I'm as light as a feather. I'm as happy as an angel. I'm as merry as a schoolboy. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas to everybody. And a Happy New Year to all the world. <laughs> My dear sir, how do you do? Uh, I beg your pardon, do I do I know you? Well, you, sir, aren't you the gentleman who came to my office in regard to that charity? Uh, why, yes, sir. A Merry Christmas to you. Uh, yes, yes, sir. Uh, allow me to ask your pardon, sir, and will you have the goodness to accept... Um, I prefer to whisper this. Wow, oh, but Lord bless my dear Mr. Scrooge, are you, are you serious? Yes, you please, now, now, not a farthing less. A great many back payments are included in it, I assure you. Will you do me that favor? Well, my dear sir, I, I don't know what to say to such... such and I don't say anything, please. Come and see me, will you? Will you come and see me? I will, I, I will indeed. Merry Christmas, Mr. Scrooge. <laughs> thank you. I am much obliged to you. I thank you 50 times. Bless you. Merry Christmas. Next morning, Scrooge was early at his office. He went early for a reason. If he could only be there first and catch Bob Cratchit coming late, that was the thing he had set his heart upon. And he did it. Yes, he did. Nine o'clock, no Bob. A quarter past, no Bob. Scrooge sat with his door wide open that he might see him come in. At last he came. His hat was off before he opened the door, his comforter too. He was on his stool in a jiffy, driving away with his pen 
as if he were trying to overtake nine o'clock. Fifteen, twenty-one, six, carry the one, twenty-four, carry the two, thirty-one, eight and nine, six, seventeen, twenty-five. Cratchit. Yes, yes, sir. Step this way, Cratchit, if you please. Cratchit. What do you mean by coming in at this time of day? Well, I'm very sorry, sir. I I am behind in my time. Mm Mm-hmm. You are. Yes. Yes, I think you are. Oh, it's only once a year, Mr. Scrooge. It shall not be repeated. I was making rather merry yesterday, sir. I tell you what, my friend. I'll not stand this sort of thing any longer. (sighs) And therefore, Bob Cratchit, I am about to raise... Your salary. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Scrooge, are you quite yourself, sir? <laughs> no, no, no. Thank heaven, I'm not quite myself. Merry Christmas, Bob. <laughs> I feel like a ghost. Merry Christmas, my good fellow. A merrier Christmas than I've given you in many a year. I shall raise your salary. And we'll see what we can do for Tiny Tim and the rest of your family, huh? <laughs> We will discuss it this very afternoon over a Christmas bowl of smoking bishop. Yes, sir, Mr. Scrooge. It's as if you've seen a ghost, sir. Oh, what a brilliant man. That's truer than you know, Bob. Now, make up the fire, make it up, and you know what? Buy another coal scuttle. Wait, no, no, no. Not just one. Buy enough coal to make even Joe Manchin happy, Bob Cratchit. Joe Manchin, happy, did you hear me? <laughs> Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. To Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, as good a man as the good old city knew or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh, and he heeded them. His own heart laughed. That was quite enough for him. He had no further intercourse with spirits, and it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that be the truly said of us, of all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. just heard our special presentation of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, starring Dave Ross and brought to you by Seattle Radio Theater, Cairo Radio, and Town Hall Seattle. Cairo's holiday productions are the only regularly scheduled live radio plays in the free world, and they're produced and directed by Seattle Radio Theater founder and Cairo Radio resident historian Felix Banel. A round of applause for Felix. Yes. Our cast tonight featured, and take your bows if you will, Dave Ross. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Chris Sullivan. Colleen O'Brien. Ursula Roitin. Merry Christmas. Nicole Jennings. Aaron Granillo. And should take another bow. Aaron Thank, Vanilla, you. Thank you. Charlie Harger. Merry Christmas. The new face in the crowd. Take another bow, Charlie. <laughs> Our very own Tracy Taylor. <laughs> Special guest appearance by Cairo TV star Lauren Donovan. <laughs> And the ghostest with the mostest, yeah. Cairo 7 TV meteorologist, Nick Heller. Never touch Go Cougs. And live sound effects were designed and performed by Curtis Takahashi. Thank you, Curtis. Curtis. <laughs> wow. Amazing. The music, <laughs> the music for tonight's production was created by Rose Hill Junior High's Pride and Joy, Joel Baker. Yeah. Go Joel! Our sound engineering was by the incredible Andrew Enzo. Broadcast engineering by Josh Harstad. Vern Lawton and Steve Allen. Tonight's live broadcast came to you from Bonneville, Seattle on East Lake Avenue near historic Lake Union and from various socially distanced locations around Western Washington. True. (laughs) (laughs) I'm your announcer, Lisa Brooks, meeting you. And what Lisa is trying to cover up is the fact that we ended the show two minutes short. <laughs> and now a Christmas carol from Mr. Scrooge himself. We do have a Christmas carol. How about we sing it? Okay. Dave right does not like small talk. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Ursula. You're the only professional singer oh, here. Oh, no, I'm not. Go but ahead. Um, we won't do our rendition of Santa Baby this time, but we'll do this song that we had in the, in yeah. the play. Okay. Here we go. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Verse 2. Yes, God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. How about Deck the Hall? Ready? <laughs> yes. Deck the halls with boughs of holly, fa la 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 la. 
Tis the season to be jolly, fa la 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 la. Darling, now our day of farewell, fa la 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 la. To the ancient Yuletide Carol, fa la 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 la. Your announcer, Lisa Brooks, bidding you good night and Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas. And one more time, as Tiny Tim says, God bless us, everyone. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. <laughs> There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.